0: Welcome to the Burden and Blessing Podcast, a study and discussion forum on the truth of God's Word. Our CPR series looks at certain topics that come up in life, and we attempt to discuss them in a way that relates to everyone. At times, we bring in the arguments of those opposed to the Word of God in order to practice contending for the faith that God gave His Church. It is our prayer that you will be equipped to give a
1: defense for the truths of the Christian faith with humility and respect. Welcome back to Burden and Blessing. Today we are going to pick up with a hot topic and something that is certainly prevalent in our world today. My name is Nathaniel Mayhew and joining me in a roundtable discussion on the topic of cancel culture is Pastor Mark Tiefel and Pastor Neil Radical. This has been something that is all over in the news right now. In the last couple of weeks, we have seen all kinds of examples of people being spoken out against canceling. Uh, It's called cancel culture. Big newspapers are talking about it. A lot of individuals are making headlines for good and for bad. We're going to talk a little bit about what cancel culture is and give a couple of examples that are currently taking place. This is not a new thing, but it is kind of developing more quickly now with some of the social media today. Uh, Mark, do you wanna get us started and just kind of give us a little bit of a a summary of what cancel culture is? If you were gonna boil it down to somebody who's never heard that term, not familiar with it, how would you describe what cancel culture is?
0: Yeah, I think a lot of it can depend on how a person uses the term, but I think in, in most circles, when we think of cancel culture, we're talking about um, a movement to put in order a certain set of beliefs or a certain way of practicing things and to do, to do that by basically shunning or shaming the opposition. And so obviously the term cancel uh, is used because the shaming method that's employed is to kind of cancel that person or to try to put an end to their activity or their what business or whatever the whatever the entity may be and so um, I think it's taken a lot of uh, momentum in our in the recent years because of the way that it's used in connection with social media that's usually the mechanism that we see with modern-day cancel culture
1: well let, let's get into a couple of more recent illustrations or examples of this. This has been, there's been a number that I have noticed here recently. Neil, do you have any thoughts or or you wanna share some examples of some of the way in which cancel culture has, has jumped out just in the last couple of days or weeks? I think the main thing is with businesses being really targeted
2: by individuals who are thinking that they're being offensive or anti what our modern day culture is today. So you have a number of different articles that I know we've shared and discussed that really speak to that point about how certain companies have faced legal setbacks because of this cancel culture mentality. Some of them that have been listed as Pepsi was once criticized for a controversial ad that had protested movements, including Black Lives Matter. Same thing with Starbucks, but not having their employees wear Black Lives Matter t-shirts. You know, I'm not just picking on the Black Lives Matters group, but anything that's uh, supporting Trump because of something that he said or done. Uh, the names of organizations, like there's an Uncle Ben's that was asked to change its branding because it seemed to be offensive for racial stereotyping. And such a large list of it that you could pretty much pick anything you wanted and anything that seems to violate someone's feelings or rights whether it's a company or an individual or group of a group of some kind organization can is liable to any kind of slander or lawsuits because of what they are promoting or not promoting
1: so it seems like when it comes to cancel culture there can be a variety of different reasons for it Uh, for example you mentioned a couple of uh, of examples of things that were related to Trump or black lives matter. So it can be something that is um, it it has to do with a thought process or with injustice or perceived injustice in one way or another. There are some other examples though too. I heard just recently that uh, Jeremy Renner for, I don't know if you guys are familiar with him. He's one of the the main Marvel uh, characters that there was something that was cancel culture brought out with him because uh, he, he would abused his, his ex-wife said that he abused her. And so they were pushing for him to be eliminated from the Marvel cast. Now it didn't seem like it was going to get any traction. Uh, there's one example or the country singer who was uh, caught on tape, uh, using a, uh, a word that was not acceptable. And so they were pushing for him to be released from his label. So where, where does, is there a line that cancel culture draws as far as the difference between perceived injustice or actual injustice? And how do we determine what justice and injustice is? Mark, do you have any thoughts on that?
0: Well, I think that's what it comes down to, and in, in my opinion, is everyone has what has a method for determining what they think is right or wrong for us as Christians, we use God's word. We use our Christian faith as the foundation for determining what is right and what is wrong, and then how we should live our lives. And then what happens is we, when we interact with people who believe differently than we do, we have to be, you know, we have to account for how we treat them. We have to account for how, how we interact with them. And then there's the, the, the idea of, I think when, when we feel passionately about right versus wrong or you, you use the word justice or injustice, we also want to share why we believe that too. And we want other people to adopt those beliefs. And so I think that's where the cancel culture comes in is it's almost a new a tactic now to get people to fall in line or to adopt what certain people believe are right and wrong, right, what is right versus wrong. Um, so I don't think that there's a, there's a definitive line of what is considered a perceived injustice versus an actual injustice. I don't think there is. I think it's, it's anything that violates the current moral code of our culture. And that's the key thought there too. We talked about what the word cancel means, but that the word culture is also important to understand that this is, this is being led by the culture. Um, and What we're seeing is that because of a lot of modern political beliefs, uh, a lot of modern political ideas and movements, which many people use to determine their right and wrong, that seems to be the basis right now that's being used as the criteria of right and wrong. And then the criteria then also of who should be canceled and, and who should be allowed to continue their belief. So it's really kind of a crisis in our culture of what do we do when we interact with people who have different values or different morals than us. And right now the cancel culture movement is promoting the idea that we shun them. We shame them. We basically push them into submission until they adopt our method of thinking. And that's, I think as from a Christian perspective, that's really the concern there because not only is that not the method that God wants us to apply when we're interacting with people who believe differently than we do, But a lot of the movements and ideas that cancel culture is based on today have a lot of anti-Christian and anti-biblical principles ingrained in them. And I think that's the twofold concern that we would have as Christians with that movement.
1: Yeah, I'm glad that you touched on that. I think that there's two aspects there. One is that many of the things that are being pushed by cancel culture are non-Christian views. But the whole concept behind the cancel culture movement is actually an anti-Christian view too, isn't it? Because the Bible actually says something about how we should deal with somebody who has done something that is wrong. The Bible says, if your brother sins, go and speak to your brother between you and him alone. And the whole object of that is not to shun somebody but rather to lead them to repentance. So there's an aspect of forgiveness that is completely missing from this cancel culture uh, mentality. In fact, many times when people who are pushed or or, uh, canceled, even when they offer and say, hey, I'm sorry for what I said, that's not enough for them, is it? How how often do you actually see people say, oh, we're so glad that you're sorry for what you did. Uh, We're thankful for that. They don't do that. And then it also pushes some people to say that they're sorry for things that they shouldn't be sorry for too, which isn't a good thing. And I, and I think that, I think that's because the motivation behind cancel
0: culture is not to actually pursue what is good or what is true, but it's to force somebody to adopt a new idea or a new mode of thinking. It's, it's about, it's about how we shape our beliefs. And, and there's a, there's, Just as like I said, for us as Christians, that goes back to our faith. But the the idea behind cancel culture is a different method of shaping belief. It's not using faith. It's not using the word of God. It's not using our Christian principles. Um, It's a new way of thinking. And And that's really what the what the underlying push here is, is it's to force people to adopt that new way of thinking about right and wrong. It's really not about pursuing justice, though. I
2: don't think they would use I think those who are proponents of this mentality wouldn't use the word force. I understand, I agree the way you're using it, but I think they would they would call it more of holding people accountable for what they what they believe as you said really well earlier about what their values, what their standards of what our society should be and look like, of what treating everyone fairly would be. But I think the ironic part about that is that when someone says be tolerant, they're not also being tolerant, are they? By forcing someone to be tolerant, you're having them be tolerant to what you feel subjectively is what they're supposed to follow. And you had mentioned a moment ago in our culture society right now, it's it's tolerant of what our views are, what society, you know, the scary part is that the media is really driving this and legislation's backing it out of fear or whatever other reason they want to do it for money in their pocket, whatever it might be. But it, it does come down to Whoever the we are that says this is the way it's supposed to be, it comes down to our views, our philosophies. And like you said, Mark, you know, the idea is to shun shame. And I would even say surrender, surrender your rights, surrender your company, surrender your beliefs to follow this culture and ultimately it removes all debate, re- removes all discussion because you can't debate it if they're saying this is how it's supposed to be. And it really eliminates free speech altogether.
1: Well, let let me ask you this. I think this is an important question. This concept or, or something similar to it has been around for a long time. There are a lot of people that say this is what conservatives conservatives have been doing for 20 years. What is the difference between the current cancel culture mentality and boycotting somebody who you don't agree with? What's the difference between those two things? Why are those two things different?
0: I think pers- my, my, my take on that is that I think in the heart the motivation behind both could be the same but in practice they are different. I think a boycott is a personal choice that you make and you're free to make that choice and you can you can you know whether it's a company or whatever you you are free to use your money or your your time or your goods in whatever direction you want to do. so if you want to boycott something you have that personal choice and you can even call others to, your side and see if they want to follow the, your same thought process. I think what we're seeing that's different about cancel culture is that it's become a movement that wants to shame the, the person or the company at all costs and will not stop until that happens. Um, and I think that's different than a boycott. A boycott is just saying, I feel conscience bound about this decision and I'm not going to, to support this, this person or this company for these reasons but then it stops short of demanding that they be run out of their company or that demanding that they be censored or demanding that they be canceled. That's where I think the difference lies. Now I'm not, I'm not advocating boycott either. I'm just saying, I think there's a difference between those two things, but, but, but when it comes to the motivation in the heart, I think that can affect anybody. It's not a, it's not a conservative, liberal thing. It's not a Republican Democrat thing. I think we can all have the, hate dominating our heart and that can manifest itself in a variety of different actions but i i I really don't see how the motivation behind cancel culture can be a healthy thing for a person or a healthy thing for our society when it's so dominated by hate And and i understand neil's point that those who promote cancel culture certainly wouldn't phrase it that way as you know maybe forcing somebody into something but then what you mentioned, Nathaniel, is at play. Why don't they accept forgiveness if they're not trying to force a particular belief on someone? So I can see how it's maybe phrased that way. And I think a lot of people get caught up, you know, unaware in the cancel culture movement. But I think the the main motivators behind it are led by hate. And I think that's really boils it down to the real concern that we see with it.
1: It seems like with cancel culture, the idea behind it is that you are, whoever is the one pushing for this is trying to impose their moral values on somebody else. Whereas with a boycott, I'm just saying, if you're going to continue down that road, I'm not going to support you. You can keep doing what you're going to do. I'm just not going to support you in that. And there have been times when a company has backed off of a particular issue that I think is contrary to scripture. If they do that, then I'll go back and I will, I, I may then make use of their services or uh, their their store again. But it's my way of saying, hey, I'm not, I'm not going to support what it is that you are boldly proclaiming is something that you are very involved in and supporting so i think there's a difference in the attitude between those two things and you're not trying to destroy somebody either with a boycott necessarily at least you shouldn't be as opposed to just saying hey i i, I want you to change i want you to change the the, the way in which you're looking at this i had I had a thought with all of this and i'd like to run it by you guys to see if you have any any uh thinking on this there's a whole lot of judging that takes place when it comes to cancel culture. Everybody is, is judging somebody else based on, on a certain standard. And it makes me think a little bit about the, the individual who we have. We have judges all over our country who they have to weigh evidence and they have to make a decision on it. And it seems to me that you shouldn't you're not qualified to judge if you're not interested in the truth. What do you think about that?
2: As far as the illustration is set up, I think it's fitting because we expect, we demand the education of our judges to know how to seek out the truth. And part of that is the questions that are asked and the discussion that takes place in the examination of the evidence at hand. And I think with that particular illustration, we're basically asking that whole trial of what is truth to be eliminated and saying, even before the trial begins, this is the established fact and this is what you're going to do to follow it or else. And so I I think to your illustration, I think it eliminates the whole opportunity for a trial to to seek out what the truth is. And that's the part of free speech that I think is so important is that I should be able to ask somebody else what they believe, what they think about a certain subject and be able to share my thoughts without fear of being sued or taken into court so that
1: would be silenced. Well, one of the passages that came to mind is the words of Jesus uh, when he talked about the, the truth. He said, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you will know the truth and the truth will make you free. It seems to me that so often in cancel culture, there isn't an interest in actually getting to the truth. It's more subjective than that. And, and if a person isn't interested in the truth, I'm just not sure that they're qualified to be one to say, I'm going to judge in this matter. Uh, I mean, we wouldn't want that in our we wouldn't want that in our court system. Uh, do we want that in our culture? But is there is there a way that we can change that or stop that? Mark, do you have any thoughts? It's a tough question because I do think that when we talk about
0: disagreements with with others, you want to be productive in how you approach that, and simply shaming them, shunning them. Which, you know, as Christians, we know that there's been a history of that in the Christian church, and Christians have been accused of that in the past, and and sometimes rightfully so. But that's not productive toward coming to a a proper resolution and finding the truth. And so I think you're right that we need to invest our time and energy in trying to pursue the truth. But that means examining the the moral foundations that we are going back to, that our arguments are built on. And that's one of the, the things you don't see with this current cancel culture. There is no willingness to examine the moral or factual principles that are the foundation of where they hold their positions. Um, it's it's as if there's a set of beliefs in our culture. Uh, when Neil mentioned it's fueled by the media, it's fueled by the internet, it's fueled by big companies, it's fueled by politicians. There's a set of assumptions about moral beliefs that people are required to accept as a starting point or there will not be any discussion. And that's where, again, Neil mentioned the word tolerant. You know we are told we have to be tolerant of this set of beliefs or we can't be listened to and our opinion cannot be heard but the problem is the assumptions of our culture about these beliefs a have not been tested by truth and b contain many inconsistencies with our christian faith and so from the beginning it's a challenge to even have a productive discourse in this area because the culture in this mode of thinking forces upon us these assumptions before we can even begin having a dialogue and that's really the danger now how to fix that that's a great question i i don't have the answer to that i think that that's where the powerful witness and testimony of the word comes into play and we need as christians we need to go back to giving an evidence of what god's word has to say on these matters and and how we should approach
1: one another well let's let's take a look at that for just a minute, because I'm guessing that the majority of people that are listening to our podcast today are, I mean, they're they're familiar with this. They are, they're seeing this, they're wondering, how do I, as a Christian respond to cancel culture? Do I get involved in certain aspects of cancel culture? Should I stay away from it? How do I talk to those who are, who are dealing with cancel culture? Uh, What are some of the dangers that are involved in, in that, in particular for the Christian? Any thoughts?
2: I guess I think one of the things is to have honest discussions about it. You know, if you go to the doctor and he's trying to convince you you have some kind of problem or disease that needs to be looked at more carefully, I think you ultimately need to be honest with yourself and say, is this actually going on in the world today? So do some of that research, Look to see what's happening with these companies, with these individuals. And recognize what's taking place so i would say own up to the fact that this is actually going on in our nation and in the world today and then from that point have discussions with other people so create the awareness not by having to have a big riot or parade or anything like that that's what i'm saying but create awareness in your discussions with people and say look this is something we can pray about this is something we want to discuss this is something that needs to be addressed in the circles of our lives so that people are aware of it and know what to watch out for. And then also to be wise in how we handle it, which is the point of your question. How can we be wise in what we're saying and what we're doing to give the best example as Christians that we want to for our Savior? I think think it comes back to that again. What areas can we work on in our communication? Just bear with me for a few more seconds. For a long time growing up, I thought evolution in the public school system, it was never going to be put put down. And the response to that has been more Christians and more individuals trying to speak up for, it doesn't have to be the only theory that's mentioned. And so I do think that there's more of a change in that. Um, Not everywhere, not a lot of colleges. I think there's more of a I think there's a lot of work that's being done to help recognize that this isn't the only theory of how the world got here. It's almost like evolution's its own element, an example of cancel culture among education systems of what is the way the world came about. So I'm just using it as an example of how I think there has been some improvement there. And I think it's worth examining what has changed to help that improve, to help us understand what needs to change to help this cancel culture improve as well.
0: I would add to that too, we talked about how the moral foundations of our arguments and our positions as Christians are, are based on God's word. And that's where truth comes in. The way we approach these topics, the way we talk to people about it, the way we want to change others to see the biblical worldview, that has to be done according to God's word too. We want to follow the model of Christ. And I think what you see with Jesus is he used humility to lead the way in the change that he made in the world. Now, obviously we're not going to recreate the change that Christ did, but when we use his word, we're tapping into that power. But I think Christians need to realize the change is going to come about by, be, by a lot of self-sacrifice, a lot of humility, a lot of putting others in Christ ahead of ourselves. That, to me, illustrates a huge difference between the Christian approach and the cancel culture. The cancel culture approach is I'm going to shout you down to submission and I'm going to rally as many people behind me and I'm going to create a mob mentality to put you down they're going to put so much pressure on you that you have no other recourse but to but to fold. The Christian approach to handling these issues is the exact opposite. We exalt Christ, we put our neighbor above ourselves, we put ourselves in the back seat and be ready to serve. And I think that that comes out very clearly in the scriptures. So we got to be led by that as well. Now one question I want to throw you guys A lot of people who promote cancel culture today say that it was actually started by Christian approaches and Christian principles. We know that the teachings that they're probably thinking about are, you know, avoiding false teaching. um, Speaking about admonition in connection with sin, even perhaps excommunication. I want to ask you guys that for somebody who uses that argument that the church has been using cancel culture for centuries. How would we respond to that? How do we see the difference there?
1: one passage that i had in mind mark was ephesians 5 speaking the truth in love and and you're right you know you, there are examples throughout history within the the pale of christianity for example i was thinking about the crusades you know many times people in the world will put down the crusades and say this is what christians do well that's not what christians should do that was that was a wrong thing to do what christians should do is is bring the gospel of Jesus and the truth of Jesus out to the world in love. But we speak the truth, don't we? The truth has to be emphasized, but we do it in a loving way. And one of the major differences is, are we looking for and seeking repentance and offering forgiveness when that repentance is found? And there's the difference between the two. If you're not actually looking for repentance and you're not willing to give forgiveness, then that that is not a Christian approach. And, and as Christians, that's what we should be looking for is seeking to help somebody come to the knowledge of the truth through repentance and offering forgiveness when it's over. I think also just, you
2: kind of touched on this a little bit ago, Mark, it's, it's defending our faith without getting defensive. And I think that's a really challenging thing to do because I think the whole part of this cancel culture is so emotional. It's based on whatever a person feels like at the moment by what they've been offended. I think the Bible teaches us, yeah, sin can be offensive. And we aren't saying that Christians aren't guilty of that either. Everyone's guilty of causing offense from things that they say and things they do. We are using, Nathaniel used these examples of the country singer, those other individuals who said or posted something. Yeah, they made a mistake. They screwed up. But it doesn't mean we should turn around and ruin their life for it. It means we want to point out the mistake and just say, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna say that differently next time, and be a bit more careful and loving in the way I say it. And it's not excusing the sin; it's just it's providing the defense from the Word of God, providing the defense for our reasons for why we're standing for the truth in the first place.
0: And I would I would add to that too. I think that's excellent point. And I would add to that. I think there's a kind of a subset of the cancel culture is not necessarily the 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 desire to shame somebody but that there seems to be a promotion of we want to protect future generations from offensive material so we're going to cancel it you know i think of the the most recent example being the dr seuss books that have been now taken out of publication they're being taken out of the public libraries and and some of the you know proper arguments are we don't want to continue to expose people to what's offensive material to them. And I, I, I can understand that way of thinking. But I think that when it gets wrapped up in this movement to shame people if they don't want to change it, or if a public library decides not to remove the books, then we push them into submission, you know, we start to get that mob mentality going. But at the same time, if we're going to take out offensive material on certain topics for future generations we can't be hypocritical about that either and that that goes back to being led by the truth you know we know for a long for you know 50 60 years now in america since the cultural revolution of the 1960s christians have been flooded with offensive material on sexuality Neil mentioned the age of the Earth, you know, very controversial topics that are thrown in people's faces. There's no warning of that today of what well, we need to we need to be careful about offending people in the future on these topics. So we want to be when we when we seek the truth. I think that what that also means is we're going to be fair in all subject matter. We're going to be comprehensive. We're not just going to cherry pick what is the current cultural taboo right now and just hone in on that. But we're going to be fair to all the different things. And I think that's another thing we're not seeing with the cancel culture. There's an element of hypocrisy to it because it picks and chooses what it wants to cancel. And like Neil said, if it's based on emotion and feeling alone, of course it's going to be like that. But that's where, again, the argument always distills back down to the truth. It's got to be about a pursuit of the truth.
1: I can't help but think of this current season of the church here that we're in during Lent. Neil and I are doing a series on Peter for Lent. And imagine if Jesus would have practiced cancel culture on Peter as a result of his actions or inactions. But what we find is Jesus coming to Peter after his resurrection and re- reinviting him offering them that forgiveness but then reinviting him to be a participant in the gospel proclamation and it was that same peter who saw jesus and talked with jesus on the sea of galilee after his resurrection that went on to say those familiar verses in 1 peter chapter 3 but sanctify the lord jesus in your hearts and always be ready to make a defense to everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear I think we can be thankful that uh, the Lord did not practice cancel culture on Peter or on each one of us, but that he willingly and through his word leads us to a knowledge of the truth and leads us also to repentance and to trust in him for the forgiveness that is ours. We pray that the Lord would continue to do that in, in our own lives, that he would give us the ability to also to be forgiving to, towards those who sin against us and to be willing to lead others to repentance as well. Gentlemen, thanks for taking the time to go through this important topic, very, very hot topic in our world right now, and giving some advice and some suggestions and going back to the word for those who are listening. I pray that the Lord would help direct us in our lives and in dealing with the issues of the culture around us as well. We hope that you will join us
0: next week for another episode of Burden and Blessing Podcast. Our goal is always to bring you the whole counsel of God. Until next time... Go in the strength of the Lord and preach the word.